Blog Talk Radio. Marcy Cheek, and this is my show, Say What? When? Where? And most importantly, why? I've been asking why my whole life, and here at the stage of my life where I am now, I have this great desire to share some of these whys the answers to some of these whys that I've found over the years. One thing I have learned about finding out the truth about something is that it's at a certain level of truth and there's still other levels of truth concerning that particular idea. And we evolve through these levels of truth. Uh, So I'm just sharing the truth as I know it for now. I like to call it the truth, capital T, but I readily admit that uh, it's at a certain level of truth. So those of you that want to be at this level of truth, stay tuned. (laughs) Well, as you know, during January, uh, this is the new year. We're just starting out the new year. And lots of people make resolutions to lose weight. And I thought I would do a four-part series on losing weight. And I call it, It's Not What You Eat, It's What You Say. (laughs) And on on my first show, I said that losing weight is not going to be the focus of this series at all. You're not going to tell yourself you're on a diet. You're not going to tell yourself or other people that you've found this great new weight loss program or any other thinking or talking about losing weight. Now, you have to put that completely out of your mind. You don't want to give any more power to that. I have to lose weight. I'm too fat. got to do something about this. Because the more you put your energy into the idea of losing weight, the more you fret and stew about being fat, the more you try to eat right. Oh, I'm going to have A, B, A meals or B meals or C meals, and an A meal is you know totally vegetarian and the least amount of calories. A B meal is somewhere in between, and a C meal is I'm going to eat everything I want. Um, these are still putting emphasis on it. And then if you're denying yourself food, you're just causing your body to go into safe mode and it'll start holding on to every bit of weight that you have. You know, the body can tell when you're acting in love for yourself, when you are only wanting the highest and best good, and that's when the body is going to rev up and do its very best to make it so. And if you're working on some preconceived societal idea of being thin, 
or wanting to look like those girls in those bikinis, you know, with those tight abs, all those girls, you know, they've never had a baby yet. <laughs> I know some of them have had babies. And then you hear, oh, my, look at her. Look how great she looks after having had a baby. <laughs> the media just has a whole idea of what is beautiful and what is um sexy, mostly sexy. And because the United States is just obsessed <laughs> with being thin, uh being fit and being naked, uh our na- uh, we just uh glorify nakedness. And so to be naked, you're supposed to look a certain way. Well, that's not true. Um, We don't uh, have to have everybody, you know, look the same and look like everybody else. We don't do this to the animals. We don't tell a rhinoceros that it has to lose weight and look like a giraffe. We don't tell elephants they're too heavy and they should slim down and be able to run like a cheetah? Why do we allow the animal kingdom to express itself in all of its different shapes and forms, and yet we want to have all the humans be and look the same? So the focus of this four-part series is going to be you. Who are you? Why are you here? How do you really feel about yourself? What do you believe about yourself? Are you really happy? Are you fulfilling your purpose? Do you know what it is? Do you know what your special gifts and talents are? Are you rich and prosperous? (laughs) And do you love the way you make your money? Are you really pretty and very, very smart? Are you healthy? Are you physical fit and that's your perfect weight for you? Do you have everything in your life that you want? Are you famous for something? (laughs) Did you answer yes to all these questions? Well, then you need to go get your own radio show and tell people how you did it. But if you answered no to some of these questions, then just keep listening. Because my hope and desire for everyone is that they would be able to say yes to every single one of those questions. I've almost made it. I actually am famous for something. <laughs> I don't know how many people know it. If you Google, uh, uh, I was the one who developed the sand ceremony with the keepsake container for a beach wedding. And if you Google sand ceremony now, two like 200 million hits come up or something. I mean, it has gone all over the world. And uh, I went to a psychic one time. I don't do that too often. But when I sat down in the chair, she looked at me and she said, I see you all over the world. And I said, oh, yeah, that's the sand ceremony. And I take the sand from underneath the people's feet where they stand to say their vows at the wedding. And we put it into the keepsake container and then they get to take that home, which put it in their home where they see it every day so they always have the place where they stood to say their vows. 
this concept was developed because I had brides always asking uh, for a unity candle at the beach, and we just could not figure out how to keep that candle lighted. You always have a little breeze at the beach. And we tried hurricane things, and we couldn't have glass at the beach. So I just sort of submitted it to my higher self, and one morning I woke up. As I was waking up, I saw us doing this sand ceremony. So I'm I'm famous for that. Well, each one of us is very unique. We're just all one of a kind. Uh, There's no one like me. We're all different. We're all shapes. We're all forms. We all express our beauty in unique and different ways. Now, I'm almost six foot tall, so I have never ever fit into that form, which is thought of as a woman. Um, When I was in grade school, I was always in the last row. I had to sit in the back seat. This did create a belief system in me that, that there was something wrong with me. Uh, why do we think that men can be tall and dark and handsome, but a woman's supposed to be dainty and fragile and small? And because of my size, people just didn't think anything about asking me to help out. Hey, Marcianne, help us get this piano up these stairs. <laughs> but I'm a woman. I have no male strength at all, no upper arm strength at all. I'm just tall. <laughs> I'm not strong. And if a man says he's six foot and weighs 170 pounds, we think, woo, he's perfect. <laughs> but if I told you I weighed 170 pounds, you, you'd probably gasp and think, oh, my God, she's huge. <laughs> but I'm not. I look balanced. I don't look fat. I'm not overweight. I'm just the size of the average American male. And you know what? I've learned to accept it. So, first of all, let's look at some of these belief systems that we have. Uh, I have a minister friend who says that our belief systems are are the BS in our life. How true, how true. (laughs) The BS in your life. (laughs) Why not get rid of all the belief systems that are not serving you? And let's develop new belief systems that will help us achieve our highest and best good in this lifetime. It's easy to clear out belief systems. They're just like recorded programs running in your brain. And just like your computer, if a program becomes obsolete, today your computer just automatically updates that program. And to do that, they just erase the old program and install a new one. And we can do this exact same thing in our brain. And in the last program of this series, Part 4, next week, I will show you step-by-step how to do this. Now, this week, we're just going to take a look at some of these programs that are already running in your brain as belief systems. Because what you believe is going to be reflected in what you say. And remember, it's not what you eat. It's what you say. Now, there's four different places and ways we develop belief systems. First of all, we can inherit belief systems from our parents and our grandparents. These are called genetic beliefs, and they're manifested through our DNA and our RNA. 
that we get from our parents, like, you know, an Italian family maybe eats lots of pasta. A French family maybe will drink wine and have fresh baguettes every day. English family wants lots of meat and potatoes. (laughs) These are sort of cultural, genetic beliefs. But they are also stored in the morphogenic field of knowledge around a person's individual DNA, RNA code. Now, this morphogenetic field is a field of information that is not set in stone. And this is the field that tells your body's DNA, RNA what to do. So this means that DNA, RNA is not set in stone. And this has already been proved in the laboratory. Um, I can take a 528 hertz tuning fork and sound the sound with my fork and change your morphogenetic field and change your DNA. It's been proved in the laboratory. UCLA, they have repaired DNA. Isn't that just an awesome thought? You can go in there and change it. So first we isolate all our belief systems that are in the morphogenetic field that you've inherited from your parents and your ancestors, and we set the tone and record a new belief system. So is yours a family that's always been fat, sort of like fat runs in your family? Has your family always eaten a lot of pasta and always has bread at the meal? Is this a taste that you've inherited from your ancestors? I inherited a love of ice cream from my mother. I, I really don't think it's so much an actual ice cream gene but more that I observed her eat a pint of ice cream every night all her life. By the way, she lived to be 86. So, And because I was also uh, breastfed, I associate milk and milk products as being connected with love and nourishing. But I saw her uh, get into bed, get out a good book, and eat her ice cream. And it was her time, you know, her time away from the affairs of the household and the children. It was a time of pleasure for herself and relaxing. And I just lust for ice cream. I just have to have it sometimes. I, I have to have it. And I eat ice cream. Uh, But I don't indulge it beyond just initially satisfying the craving. I always have it in the house, but I'll just have two or three spoons full. That seems to work. Because the Bible says that we can do anything in moderation and that all things are pure. So, you know, there's no such thing as uh, right and wrong, good and bad, pure and unpure, uh, healthy and unhealthy, those are just uh, levels of information. Levels of information. We're the one who puts the label on it. We make it fattening or we make it bad for us. And if you watch television, you're constantly being bombarded with information about what is right and what is wrong. 
And all of this information, now listen to me, is based on the erroneous concept that we are all alike. Now think about that. We aren't all alike. Every single person is a unique, one-of-a-kind creation. And this creation is in a state of constant flux and change. So what the television tells you is true for one person, it may not necessarily be true for you. You know what? You are the creator, the witness, and the observer of it all, of everything in your life. You are judge, jury, and hangman. You can change anything and make make it what you want it to be because everything in your morphogenetic field is able to be changed. There's something about your life you don't like, you can change it. You know, Jesus talked about this field. He called it a a field where you would find a pearl of great price. (laughs) And this pearl is the fact that you are pure energy, and this energy is constantly vibrating and changing and making whatever it is you tell it to do. Remember, it's not what you eat. It's what you say. Now, you also carry beliefs in the history level, and these are beliefs that have come down through the ages from the collective consciousness of all all experience. All of the experiences of life. Do you know that everything that has ever happened in consciousness on this planet has been recorded? It's all in the Akashic Records. There's a whole hierarchy of beings that keep those records. Do you ever wonder how they know how many hairs are on your head? The Bible says every hair on your head is counted. Every time I brush my hair in the morning, I mean, I I can't even count how many there are. But there's a whole invisible realm of beings, and that's their job. They keep track of everything. Every thought that has ever been thought, every word that has ever been spoken, every act that has ever been committed, everything is recorded in the etheric realm in the Akashic Records. Well, now what does this mean? Well, let me tell you, the church has used knows this information and they've used it to justify their agenda And they created a god with a big long white beard that was up there writing everything down and then would use it one day to judge you and punish you for what you did wrong. And then the church set up an elaborate system for you to be able to be free from all guilt and this judgment. And they called this situation original sin and they said you were guilty until proved innocent. Well, then, as we developed our civilization, we set up a justice system that says we're innocent until we're proven guilty, and then we wonder why we're always in such conflict and confusion. (laughs) We're either one or the other. We can't be both. 
So let me tell you the truth, my level of truth at this time, with a capital T, everything is perfect in its natural state. I'm going to say that again. Everything is perfect in its natural state. There can't be any original sin because God doesn't see anything as right or wrong or good or bad or mortal or venial. venial. God doesn't see anything as sin at all. God sees everything as perfect in its natural created state. Because the energy of the universe just is. It just is. The energy of consciousness is constantly and always creating. It's always creating, always creating from moment to moment. And the moment that passes is is gone. The only moment there is is the one that's right now. And whatever you think and say in this moment is what is creating this moment and what will make your future if you stick with it. And whatever happened in the past is gone. It's gone. It's over. It doesn't have any power. It was just an experience. It was just an experience of the collective consciousness. And even though it was recorded, it's it doesn't have any application now. You're not bound by it. You're not judged by it. It just was it. You did it. It's over. It's done. It has no power. And then you create a new moment. And you create what you want now. I like to think that every moment is the beginning of everything. Because it is. Right this moment, we're beginning a whole new thought system. Because what you believe will be how you think. And what you think is what you'll say. And it's not what you eat. It's what you say. You know, many of the beliefs on this level are no longer suitable for today. Uh, One of these collective consciousness beliefs at the historic level concerns murder and war. Now, this is really a dual belief system. If I would ask you if you believe in uh, that murder is the way to solve and subtle differences between people, you would say no, right? I don't I don't believe in murder. But then we do continue to give power to murder and to war as the way to solve problems between people and nations in our collective consciousness, especially in this country. We have so glorified murder with television shows and video games and daily news broadcasts that we now have an epidemic of murder in our country. Boy, if someone really wants to get some attention and make the front page of the newspaper or be the headline of tonight's newscast, be a celebrity, they can just kill someone. That makes them an immediate celebrity. And... 
Or if it's someone who has a deep emotion about being betrayed or violated or they feel like they've been treated unfairly and they want to settle the debt, they are supported by the collective consciousness that it is okay to kill someone. Because if this wasn't true, people wouldn't be killing people. They would seek other means to settle their differences and to heal their hurts. And if we as a community stopped giving our agreement to killing as a way of selling things, then killing as a solution would stop. If we stop giving our agreement to murder and war, we can stop this epidemic and you can quit watching the news on television. It's just the police report. You can stop watching CSI Miami or Criminal Minds or The Mentalist or Law and Order or any of these other murder shows. You can stop going to the movies and watch killing and blowing things up and people shooting guns and people pointing guns at people because this gives your power to supporting murder and war. And you know what? This belief system has great weight. This is a heavy, heavy belief system. And that weight is stored in your body and it can show up on the scale. Now, another place where beliefs are stored are at the core of our being. Now, these are beliefs that are taught to us from the first day we are born. And these belief systems are from things we hear and were taught by our parents and teachers. We believe that that we are a Christian or a Muslim or we believe in witchcraft or we believe we are a Republican or a Democrat or we believe we're conservative or liberal. And usually all these beliefs are based on the collective consciousness of what being a Republican or what being a Christian means. So what did your mother teach you? What did your father teach you? I remember a great joke that went around while my husband and I were in college. It went like this. A father took his son, put him up on a wall, and then said, Jump, and I'll catch you. So the little boy jumped, and the father let him fall straight down to the concrete sidewalk, and he broke his arm. And the father said, Didn't I teach you to never trust anyone? Have you been taught to not trust certain things, certain people? What have you been taught to be afraid of? What have you been taught regarding people of different religions or color of skin or sexual orientation? I was raised back in the Christian belief system back in the days when Christians thought Catholics were of the devil. And my oldest brother fell in love with a Catholic girl. And in order for them to be married, my sister-in-law had to actually leave her family ties And she was married in our church by our pastor. But then many years, several years later, when my younger brother got married, he also married a Catholic girl. And as a family, we all went to the Catholic church. We sat through the marriage mass. So in that short period of time, the collective consciousness of our family changed from believing that Catholics were of the devil 
to, to knowing that Catholics loved God as much as we did. You know, in the past, Jewish families would have a funeral for a person who married a non-Jewish person, and they separated themselves from them and considered them dead. Well, today these belief systems are being re-recorded. <laughs> We're putting in new programs. We're all beginning to accept and respect one another because we can change any belief system that we have. You know, my mother taught me that my father was evil. Uh, he had left us, while actually, while I was still in her womb, so she judged him evil, and she told me that I had that evil thing in me and that I would have to fight it my whole life. You know, it was a good thing she also told me that I was pretty and that I was very smart, <laughs> or probably I would have never been able to even get out of bed <laughs> being so afraid of that evil in me. But as, a, as it is, I have had a very difficult journey overcoming that idea because beliefs that we are taught as children are embedded physically in ourselves. They have weight. These belief systems can be measured, just like our emotions. And then I kept getting taller and taller and always had to stand in the back, sit in the back of the room, at the go to the end of the line, and that all just added weight to the fact that I was evil and I would have to fight up my whole life to overcome. Do you know what a relief it was when I learned that I was perfect in my natural state from the very beginning? I just really recommend the study of the Dochen Buddhism for anyone who needs to reinforce their state of perfection and to be able to be free from any negative belief system that you might have of not feeling worthy, of being told you were stupid and you would never amount to anything. Or if you have any type of disability of any kind that makes you feel like a limited um, person, the uh, the study is Dochen D is in David Z O G C H E N, and I studied for five years under Lama Saridas. Uh, the Dochen teachings have only been out here on the earth uh, for about 20, 25 years. They're, they were held in the ages past during all the dark time that we've been through. They were held in the mystery schools. But now they're available because, see, we've made this shift. And now we can know we are perfect. We are completely perfect. We don't lack anything for being able to be who we really are and to do what we're supposed to do. When I do a baby blessing, I have a questionnaire I ask the mother and father of the baby to fill out. I ask each of them what they learned from their mother and their father and what, what do they want to teach their child. And then when I do the ceremony, I see the faces of all the guests as they hear these wonderful positive ideas that these parents want to teach to, the chil to, to their children. There is a new paradigm today that we just don't 
tell children no. You know, the universe does not under, does not understand the word no. Uh, the universe only knows yes, yes, yes. So whatever you think and say, the universe says yes. <laughs> so, you know, children have just come from the realms of love and accepted acceptance and unlimited consciousness they don't have this concept of no and then there are very new and wonderful ways to continue this consciousness in a child and recently in my conscious anatomy class the teacher told how she did this with her children she said when she would take them out if they were in a place you know with all kinds of things like the grocery store toy store something and they would say, or they would pick something up and say, can I have this? And she would say, yes. And then they would walk along and then they'd see something else. And then they would say, can I have this? And she would say, yes. If you then decide to put the other thing back. So this reinforces the child's limitless consciousness, but it also teaches them that they have the right of choice. I just think this is great. You know, in my day, my mother would have said, no, you can't have that. We can't afford it. (laughs) Uh, So I just developed this great consciousness of lack and poverty, too. Because I was a depression baby, a real, you know, back in the real depression. (laughs) We lived in very limited circumstances, and I grew up thinking there was not enough of anything. And you know, today, there are people that believe there's not enough of anything. There's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not enough space. There's not enough food. There's not enough of anything. And you know what? Nothing seems to satisfy them either. They just want more and more and more. My sister, uh, you know, grew up in this same um, harsh environment, and she said she always felt hungry as a child because mother would only put so much food on our plate, and that was all we got. And we had to eat everything on our plate, whether we liked it or not. Because I can still remember choking down liver and practically vomiting up every bite. And my sister to this day carries food with her at all times, in her purse or in a bag. No matter where she is or what she's doing, she always has some food with her. So she can eat it anytime she wants. Well, you know, to deal with the negative belief systems I learned during my childhood, I decided to change my childhood from our very limiting and harsh circumstances to having the childhood of Paris Hilton to help retrain my mind to think in terms of having loving, supportive parents, unlimited resources, living in abundance. And last year, my daughter and I went to New York City for a week, and we were staying in a hotel just down the street from Times Square. We had front row seats at Lion King, And we went to 21 for dinner, and I spent $165 for that dinner, which my daughter only ate half of what they served because she came into this life with a built-in food intake system from some ancient ancestor where she only eats until she's full for nutritional purposes. 
and she has always been slim with any kind of effort, so she left half of this expensive food on her plate. Well, my mother would have made me eat every bite. <laughs> well, one evening we were walking down Fifth Avenue, and I heard a voice from my morph, morph genetic field say, you are walking with unlimited resources at your disposal. Well, my first reaction was, well, that's a good thing because I'm spending a fortune here in New York City. <laughs> you know, but that sentence is burned into my day-to-day -day consciousness today now, and I walk in with unlimited resources at my disposal and I just manifest as I go. And my daughter and I just got back from a week at Waikiki Beach in Honolulu. And if you think New York City is expensive, try a week in Honolulu. <laughs> Unbelievably expensive. So it was a very good thing that I now know that I have unlimited resources. I mean, just having two beach chairs and an umbrella on the sand every day was $60. Breakfast was $50 every morning. So these belief systems that are developed as a child, taught to us by well-meaning parents and teachers, all need to be looked at. Which ones are still good for you? Which ones need to be replaced with a new limitless belief system? You know, I have tried to re-engineer my life. I am now a person who had wonderful, loving parents who taught me that I was perfect, I could do anything, that I live in unlimited, abundant resources, I am healthy, I am happy, and I am fulfilling my purpose for being here on earth. And you can too. You can re-engineer your life and get rid of those heavy, heavy, negative, dark, oppressive limiting beliefs they're not serving you create new light hearted happy beliefs that aren't weighing you down and keeping you from being all that you can be and remember the side effect is going to be that you lose weight now the fourth level of belief system is at the soul level now here at the level of your soul, you will find all of your perfect belief systems. Here at the soul level is everything that you have ever been, everything you have ever done, everything you have ever seen, everything you have ever felt. Here at the soul level are your contracts and your spiritual agreements. You know, sometimes we make a contract for a particular lifetime. Sometimes it's just for a short time. These agreements are contracts that have a specific purpose. And when the purpose is accomplished, that contract is finished. And we don't need to continue to act and behave in that same way. Remember, every moment is a chance to start again and to make something different. Life here on Earth is experimental. We all have free will, we are free moral agents, and we can change anything. 
After my husband left me and the children to search for the grass that is greener on the other side of the street, which he later told me that he was sorry for because he found out that that wasn't true, but he did leave to go look for greener pastures, and after three and a half years of being on my own and struggling to make ends meet and hold my family together, I met a gentleman, and he and I made an agreement. We agreed that I would help him be successful in business and he would help me get my kids raised. He would let me and the kids live in his house and in exchange for room and board for me and the kids, I would run his business for him. I instituted marketing programs. I set up proposals and contracts. I did the books and I enabled him to offer his services in a more expansive way. He became very successful, capturing the greater share of the local business in his field, and he helped me raise my children. I got to be a stay-at-home mom because the office for his business was in the home we shared, and the kids and I had a safe and nourishing environment. Now, we did get a legal marriage license because in those days it was an obscene travesty to live together. (laughs) In fact, when I first moved into his house, we were paid a visit by the elders of the church that we were a part of, and we were told we couldn't come to the meetings anymore unless we were married. So we did get that piece of paper, but it didn't mean anything because we it only satisfied these self-righteous, judgmental people we thought were our friends. And our agreement lasted 12 years, which is a spiritual fullness of time. And when my youngest daughter got married and she and her new husband loaded up their car and their small U-Haul trailer with all their worldly possessions and headed for San Diego so that he could go into the Navy, this gentleman and I knew that our time together had fulfilled its purpose. Our agreement was finished. He was now very successful in business, and I had gotten my children raised and up and out and on their own. And a year after my daughter moved to San Diego, I moved to California, and I've been here ever since. We got an annulment because we were not really married, only on paper, and I left without taking anything from his business because I considered his presence in my life and the lives of my children during those years of getting them raised as priceless. Now, this is how agreements can work. Many relationships are an agreement for a specific purpose. And when the purpose is fulfilled... The agreement is finished, and we go on ahead for the next experience and the next agreement. No hard feelings, no regrets, no blame, no fault, no feelings of rejection, no feelings of failure, no judgment, (laughs) just acknowledgement of the truth and thankfulness and gratefulness. There are no heavy emotions and false belief systems weighing us down and showing up on the scale. (laughs) 
So belief systems are a way we think about life that can be empowering or they can limit us and weight us down. And this weight will be seen on the scales. And just because you believe something, that doesn't mean that it's true. Have you ever asked why people believe some things? You know, I've been asking that my whole life. Why? Why do they do that? But down inside of us, we all have a place. Actually, it's in the nucleus in every single cell of our body. And in this place, in the center of every single cell, is the truth. The truth with a capital T. And we can test a belief system and see if it's actually working for us or against us. So right now you can try this. Take your thumb and pointer finger of your right hand and make a circle with those two fingers. Now take the pointer finger of your left hand and put it in the circle. And now ask yourself, is believing, and then state whatever you believe, good for me? And then try to break the circle. If you can't break the circle, the answer is yes, this is good for you. But if you do break the circle, the answer is no, this is not good for you. Because the nucleus of every single cell knows what is in your highest and best good and what is not in your highest and best good. So I suggest this week that you start going through all of your belief systems and see what is working for you and what is working against you. And next week, I will be discussing ways that you can begin to reprogram yourself. And as you reprogram your computer, your brain, and you establish new belief systems that are true for you, and you clear out a negative emotions, now remember, the side effect is going to be that you lose weight. It's not what you eat. It's what you say. So this is Marcy Cheek. I want to be tell you that all the music that is played behind my here on my show is from Visionary Music. VisionaryMusic.com and it is music that is reinforcing uh, belief systems, new belief systems that you put into your DNA and RNA.